I want to reflect for a few minutes this evening on this passage that we read a little earlier from John chapter 13. And so let's look together at John chapter 13 verses 18 through 30. I'm going to go ahead and read this passage once again, just so it's fresh in our minds. John chapter 13, beginning in verse 18. Jesus says, I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you for your word, and now we thank you for the word made flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we look into this passage tonight, we pray that you would draw us closer and closer to our Savior Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Christ here foretells his betrayal, and it ends with Jesus, uh, Judas leaving and this final statement at the end of this passage in verse 30, and it was night. Now, if you know John, and we've been reading John tonight, John is not telling us basically the time of day. He's not saying Judas left at 7.46 p.m. or something like that. This is symbolic language. This is imagery, and we see this imagery uh, throughout John's gospel. In particular, we see this uh, imagery of light and darkness. If you want to turn back quickly or just listen even to the opening verses of John's gospel, In John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, 
we read these words, In him, that is the word, who is Christ, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the light who shines in the darkness, and as the text says here, the darkness has not overcome it. If you have the New American Standard Bible, if you're reading that uh, tonight, you actually have a different um, translation here. It says the darkness has not comprehended it. In fact, the Greek word can mean either overcome or comprehend. In other words, uh, even in opposition or death, Christ has, uh, the, the darkness does not uh, overcome it. In other words, the light is victorious. Or we could say the darkness does not understand it. And perhaps there's a play on words. Perhaps it means both because sometimes John actually uses play on words in his uh, in his gospel. But the light, the point is, overcomes the darkness. And the darkness leaves the light. Judas, the betrayer, leaves the light and he goes out into the darkness. And in fact, what's going to happen, as you know, the rest of the story is Judas' betrayal as the instrument of Satan is actually going to lead to a triumph, Jesus' triumph over Satan himself. And it's ultimately going to lead to both Satan and Judas's demise. And in fact, the Gospels themselves tell of Judas's demise. Now let's back up and reflect on this passage this evening, uh, this particular passage that I've just read from John chapter uh, 13. I want to look first of all at Judas's privileges. He had privileges. He was with Ju- Jesus for three years. I'm going to try to keep those two, Judas and Jesus, straight as I go through this. Bear with me. Judas was with Jesus for three years. As commentator Pastor Gordon Ketty puts it, Judas worked and walked with Jesus for three years. He heard his preaching. He witnessed his miracles. He enjoyed the privileges of his, his privilege of his presence and fellowship. But he was not saved. He stayed lost. Three years, he saw Jesus' miracles, he saw his power, he saw his character, he heard his teaching, but he was not saved. You know, sometimes we might be tempted to think, if only Jesus were present, wouldn't it be easier to believe? Well, no, no. It wouldn't be easier to believe. Judas did not. And the majority, vast majority of those who heard Jesus did not believe. 
but he was with Jesus for three years. He had a prominent role in the ministry with Jesus. We read in this same passage in verse 29 that he had the money bag, which means basically that he was the treasurer. He kept the money. He 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 bought things when when needed. And in fact, thirdly, at this supper, this last supper in John's gospel, he was sitting in the seat of honor. The seat of honor. The seat of honor would have been in the first century to the left of the host. You probably know all this, but how would they have been sitting at the Passover meal, at, at, at important meals, at important banquets? People in the first century, first century Jews, reclined. What does that mean? It means they, they were basically lying on their sides, lying on their left sides, leaning on their left elbow into the table, their legs stretched out away from the table, and then they'd reach in with their right hand and they would eat food that way, right? And so we've got John on Jesus's right. So what does he do? When he talks to Jesus, he leans back into his chest. The text tells us here in John chapter 13 and asks the question, who is it, right? Because Peter says, ask him who it is, who's going to betray him. So that means the person, when he gives Judas the piece of bread, that means Judas is the one on the left side. He's in the seat of honor. Now, is this a a matter of keep your friends close and your enemies closer? No. It's a sign of Christ's love. It's a sign of Christ's grace. Even for the one who's going to to betray him. More than that, giving him this piece of bread is a further act of, of love. And yet Judas is too much given over to evil. Leslie Newbegin says this, Jesus' final act of love becomes with a terrible immediacy the decisive movement of judgment. At this moment, we are witnessing the climax of that act of sifting, of separation, of judgment, which has been the central theme of John's account of the public ministry of Jesus. So the first, the final gesture of affection precipitates the final surrender of Judas to the power of darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has neither understood it nor mastered it. Or as D.A. Carson puts it, Judas received the bread, but not the love. Instead of breaking him and urging him to contrition, it hardened his resolve. The privileges Judas had only led him to a hardened, more hardened state and led, secondly then, to his betrayal. Judas' betrayal 
There are many theories. You can read them in books as to why Judas betrayed Jesus. Uh, The two, I think, probably most popular and maybe most plausible are that Judas, Judas believed that, or came to the realization, I would say, that Jesus was not the Messiah he had hoped he'd be. This, as some scholars pose, Judas Iscariot may in some ways be connected to a group called the Sicarii, who were a revolutionary group of first century Jewish zealots who wanted to overthrow the the, the Roman government and bring freedom uh, to first century uh, Israel. So maybe people propose that uh, Judas wanted this kind of revolution to happen and Jesus was not the kind of revolutionary Messiah that he had wanted him to be, so he gave him over. Or perhaps the most plausible explanation, he simply was motivated by greed. In John chapter 12, we see it when Mary uh, anoints Jesus with her expensive perfume. Judas is upset and he, he says we, should, we could have sold this and given money to the poor. But John comments that Judas really was a thief and he would steal the money that was kept in the, the money bag. He didn't really care about the poor at all. That might have been Judas' uh, concern here. But the most immediate issue, as verse 27 in our text tells us, is that Satan entered Judas. Judas becomes Satan's instrument to hand Jesus over to betray him. And even then, still Jesus is in control in our passage. Verse 27, Satan entered into uh, Judas, and then Jesus says to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. In other words, Judas, get on with it. And in fact, that's what Judas does in verse 30. After receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Here we see a sad scene. Judas leaves the light to go into the darkness. In fact, the spiritual darkness had already overtaken him. He now goes out to live and to die in spiritual darkness. The good news for us tonight, brothers and sisters, is that Jesus, who is light, entered the darkness so that his people can live in the light. As Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's pray. Our God, how we thank you for your great love for sinners. 
And how we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you loved us and you gave yourself for us, that we might no longer walk in darkness, but that we indeed might have the light of life. And how we thank you that you came as the light of the world, that you came to save us from our sins, that you came to lead us in your paths, and that you came to give us new life. And so, Lord Jesus, may we be light for you in this dark world. We might love you and worship you and serve you faithfully. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.